Amen. Our scripture this morning is from John 3, 1 through 21, and I'm reading, reading from the inclusive version. A certain Pharisee named Nicodemus, a member of the Sanhedrin, came to Jesus at night. Rabbi, he said, we know that you are a teacher who's come from God, for no one can perform the signs and wonders that you do unless by the power of God. Jesus gave Nicodemus this answer. The truth of the matter is, unless one is born from above, uh, one cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, how can adult, an adult be born a second time? I can't go into the womb to be born again. Jesus replied, the truth of the matter is, no one can enter God's kingdom without being born of water and the spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. So don't be surprised when I tell you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it will. You hear the sound that it makes, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be possible? Said this, asked Nicodemus. Jesus replied, you're a leader of Israel and still you don't understand these matters. The truth of the matter is we're talking about what we know. We're testifying to what we've seen, yet you don't accept our testimony. If you don't believe when I tell you about earthly things, how will you believe when I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the chosen one. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, the chosen one must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in the chosen one might have eternal life. Yes, God so loved the world as to give the only begotten one that whoever believes may not die, but have eternal life. God sent the only begotten into the world, not to condemn the world, but that through the only begotten, the world might be saved. Whoever believes in the only begotten avoids judgment, but whoever doesn't believe is judged already for not believing in the name of the only begotten of God. On these grounds, the sentence is pronounced. That though the light came into the world, people showed they preferred darkness to the light because their deeds were evil. Indeed, people who do wrong have hate the light and avoid it for fear their actions will be exposed. But people who live by the truth come into the light so that it may be plainly seen what they do is done in God. For the word of God in scripture. For the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. Well, we'll be singing Abide With Me as our song in preparation for receiving the word. And that is, uh, if you have voices together, number 512. <clears throat>
set up. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me today. It's great to be worshiping with you. Um, I've been guest preaching a few places, but this is somewhere I've actually, you know, been recently. I'm up in Bellingham and um, Seattle Mennonite Church is just 90 minutes south on I-5. So um, it's great to be worshiping with the sister congregation today. And I do have a lot to thank you for. Six years ago, you hosted me after worship for a sing test of my second album, um, Songs of Contemplation for Travelers and Troublemakers. Um, let's see, we, we um, sang through drafts of those songs and you reflected on them and shared your feedback. And then based on feedback from you and others, I went back to the drawing board, made changes, and now we have this little songbook um, with the final versions of the sheet music. And actually five years ago, I drove back down to Seattle Mennonite and we sang through the final versions of the songs together with um, electric bass and one of you played violin. 
um, and we recorded that. So actually on YouTube today, if you search Seattle Mennonite 2018, you will hear your own voices singing um, some of these songs together. And it's, it's really, I mean, especially in these days when we don't hear each other singing in community as much, it is really nice to go back and listen to those recordings and you can kind of pick out one or two voices that you might recognize amongst your community members here today. Um, so I'm really grateful for the ways you helped shepherd my process of creating this music. And another thing to thank you for is um, during the pandemic and since finishing all that album of music, um, I've been working with Catherine Pitts to plant a new little Mennonite church up here in Bellingham it's an experiment in putting queer theory and queer theology at the center of theological and congregational life. So it's ended up being ex almost exclusively online and surprised me <clears throat> in a sort of plain pirate when you thought you were gonna go for a drive kind of way by attracting queer and inclusive Mennonites from all over the country. So we meet at 5.30 PM Pacific on first Mondays so that way it's not too late. It's 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And so people can like early for us, late for others, and we can all worship together on uh, first Monday evenings. A couple of you attended our first ever worship service. It was Blue Christmas in 2020 to provide a quorum of welcoming inclusive Mennonite presence for newcomers and sort of host all the guests um, that we invited to worship together over Zoom. And then several months later, a couple of you read through our church's draft of bylaws to um, catch typos about you know, the dates of our fiscal year and stuff that they did not teach me in seminary and help us structure our congregation's organizational life together. So I'm sure I'm forgetting other things along the way, but it's just um, so good to be able to open a sermon with, with so many reasons to give thanks for you. And, um, and it's just good to know that our nearest MCUSA sister congregation has been such a leader in the movement for full LGBTQ inclusion in the church. As I'm an out queer pastor and I'm licensed by the Pacific Northwest Mennonite Conference. And I am grateful that the trail was there for me to walk in part because of the leadership of congregations like yours in paving it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So before I dig into our John passage for today, um, I just wanted to sort of sate your potential curiosity a little bit about this new church plant, Community of Hope Mennonite Church. It's been a whirlwind year for us. Um, our central mission is to put queer theology at the center of our liturgy, to integrate our spiritual lives with our work for justice, and to share our lives together through forming real friendships and family of choice. As our funding continues to increase, I'm hoping that more of my time can be spent on the structural justice piece, connecting our congregation with climate justice, anti-racism, affordable housing and other parts of the call to just peacemaking. Um, I have a background in community organizing and I'm really excited to lean into that systemic justice work um, 
currently <laughs> with the Omicron surge and having a three-year-old at home um, and just recently starting to get paid. Um, I'm, we're, I'm currently quarter time, so I'm hoping pretty soon we can, I can go up to half time and work on that part of our mission a bit more. But in the meantime, it's been good to start with the basics, doing some beautiful church together, getting to know one another, and turning from a bunch of scattered individuals into a community. This past Friday night on our Discord server, we did a voice-only, non-screen you know, pub theology, including folks from Blaine, up, up near the Canadian border, Indiana, Holden Village, and Bellingham. We couldn't see one another's faces, but we could hear each other laugh and read scripture and tell stories together about our lives. On these early winter evenings, it sure is good to gather after dark, to keep company with each other and keep the faith. And I, I point this out in part because our, our John passage from today, the conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus happened at night. So after the blue Christmas service that a couple of you attended just over a year ago, um, we gathered weekly in the spring to discuss the book, Our Lives Matter, A Queer Womanist Theology by Pamela Lightsey, a black lesbian ordained elder in the United Methodist Church. Then in May, we formed a leadership team. In July, we started worshiping monthly. You're welcome to join us on first Mondays of the month, 530 Pacific. And yeah, people joined from all over the country. I was definitely not expecting this. Queer folks, cisgendered parents of trans children, straight allies, queer seminarians, and Bellingham area locals who just want a church that does trans inclusive feminism as part of its core identity. Um, so I'll put the, well, I, I think later I'll put my email in the chat and then you can get the Zoom link that way if you ever want to join us. <clears throat> it's also on our Facebook. In September was our first ever and only so far in-person gathering for Wild Church. We gathered outdoors and we'll be doing that again next month. If any of you feel like driving up to join, you're welcome. The centerpiece of Wild Church is about 20 minutes of mindfulness in the outdoors. And then we follow it with communion and back in September, we put on masks and sang together. I'm really excited for the ways this can grow our commitments to indigenous justice and climate justice by starting with the love of the earth and an anger at the way she's been mistreated and by bringing our spiritual practice into the outdoors. So this past November, we started a Discord server for the church um, to offer folks in-time support throughout the holiday season, which can be a particularly rough time for queer folks. We did our first Queering the Holidays event, a discussion of how to bring anti-imperialism into conversation with our home ritual practices of Thanksgiving and how to bring intentional self-care and community support into our lives throughout November and December. We share prayer requests on there, photos of candles we're lighting, 
And it's just one more way we continue for, forming ourselves into a community of people who know each other and care about each other. We, have, we now have a Tithely account, a leadership team, an email newsletter, an official relationship with the conference. And this week I received my first stipend as pastor and church planter. Other milestones, thank you, include the first time someone came out to the church during sharing time, the first time I met with someone for pastoral care for the second time, <laughs> instead of just the first, the first time someone reached out to the church with an emergent prayer request because they knew we would care about it, the first time someone did every step of a job transition with the prayers and support of this church. Our first lay-led small group is starting up right now, and it's a peer group for queer folks in ministry because a lot of people who come to my church are queer folks in ministry, in a variety of ministry settings. So like I said, it's been a whirlwind of a year, and that is how I want to transition to talking about John. So in her commentary on John, biblical scholar Mary L. Collot, who is an Australian nun, lifts out a few verses of today's passage and calls them a parable of the wind. So she kind of separates up the chunk that Amy read today into different, um, she talks about like the rhetorical structure of the passage and verses seven and eight, she's like, this fits the definition of a parable. According to she quotes Reuben Zimmerman and his definition of a parable among other things is a short narratival fictional text that is related in the narrative world to known reality <clears throat> and challenges the reader to carry out a metaphoric transfer of meaning that is steered by co-textual and contextual information. <laughs> uh, sometimes I enjoy going back to that academic stuff, but basically um, Zimmerman, in, in listing those criteria, he titles his piece, Are There Parables in John? It's time to revisit the question. So Professor Mary Collot identifies a play of words here where the Greek word for again can also be translated as from above. And I, I cracked open my Greek textbook and the word is anathen, again or from above. And then there's another word that has a double meaning here, the Greek pneuma, which means wind or spirit. So the evangelist, she writes, is exploiting the double meaning of these Greek terms. Then she includes an English version of these verses that preserves, tries to preserve in English that double meaning that she's um, identified in Greek. So let's hear those verses again, imagining them as a parable of the wind. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind slash spirit blows where it wills and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is pneumatos, born of a spirit, born of the wind. So then Mary um, Collot calls these next two verses the conclusion of the parable. Replying, Nicodemus said to him, how is this possible? Replying, Jesus said to him, 
Are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? As I did my sermon prep, I walked near the water, was listening to a theology podcast, and I turned my head and somehow I knew that a bird had just ducked under the water right before I looked, but I hadn't seen the bird. How did I know that there had been a bird? And then I realized that I was looking at ripples. Sure enough, a second later, just as I was thinking, oh, it's the ripples, a sleek head of a water diving bird popped its head up and I swear it licked its lips. <laughs> Something tasty had been below. I hadn't seen the bird, but I knew she was there. In the apocryphal book of wisdom, which didn't make it into the version of the Bible that we tend to use, there's a similar passage to this parable in John. All those things have vanished like a shadow, as when a bird flies through the air, no evidence of its passage is found. The light wind, Numa, lashed by the beat of its pinions and pierced by the force of its rushing flight, is traversed by the movement of its wings, and afterward no sign of its coming is found there. That's Wisdom 5, verses 9 and 11. <clears throat> As I wrote this sermon, I was outdoors, the wind was blowing, I heard wind chimes, and I thought about the surprising ways the spirit has ruffled my hair and blown me along throughout my ministry journey and throughout my life. I'm sure many of you can look at some of the beautiful things in your life today and acknowledge that when you were much younger, you might not have been able to predict or expect what the spirit has brought into your life these days. On some level, I've always known I was queer, but I didn't necessarily think of myself in those terms. I married my first love, who's now out as transgender, but for a long time, my queerness was like the ripples on the water with the bird fishing below. Our life together felt queer and good and right, but I looked like a cisgendered woman married to a man. I didn't take queer theology in seminary. I did not plan to plant a church. About 15 people had to suggest it to me before I took them seriously. <laughs> Here we are. I'm the first out queer Mennonite pastor in our conference. My congregation does queer theology. This is where the spirit has blown me. There's a way to hear Jesus being kind of annoyed with Nicodemus, <clears throat> but I imagine Jesus and Nicodemus sort of doing half a smile at each other, maybe a little glint in their eyes as they talk about the wind. You hear the sound of it, Jesus says, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the wind. And like me, I imagine Nicodemus shaking his head in wonder to say, how is this possible? And Jesus, knowing the journey that brought Nicodemus to these questions, knowing the journey Nicodemus walked to this moment, 
to this conversation, knowing him more deeply than we ever will. Jesus, half grinning at the adventure in Nicodemus's future. I sort of imagine Jesus kind of winking at him and being like, <clears throat> oh yeah, you, teacher of, the, of Israel, you wouldn't know anything about that, huh? So before I end, I do want to talk about the night. <clears throat> There's a lot of problematic language in this pair, in this passage about light and darkness. Um, and I just want to point out that this, this passage was written about 1,500 years before the concept of race was invented. Um, and it was also written before electric lights. So this was during a time when our social concept of race didn't exist. And it got very dark every night. So when they're talking about light and darkness, I imagine them really thinking about not being able to see unless you have a lamp with you, like a fire. So this is part of the reason I chose for us to sing Abide With Me earlier tonight. When I was reading um, commentary on this, this John passage, a lot of the commentary commentators were assuming that the reason the conversation happened at night was because Nicodemus was ashamed or in hiding. But in the wisdom commentary, Mary Callow makes a startlingly simple and reasonable alternative suggestion. She thinks the most likely reason for the nighttime meeting is that this, quoting her, is a discussion of Jewish belief between two teachers. The night meeting is in accord with the Jewish practice of coming together to study the law at nighttime. So often, the reason we're called weird or wrong is simply because the wrong set of assumptions is being applied to us. I wonder what in your life you might be ashamed of or trying to hide because of the commentary and shared assumptions of others. When in reality, Jesus is really excited to meet you where you're at. And night is the perfect time for you to bring your questions before God. May it be so, amen.